0: Love, Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each Monday I bring you a dynamic guest on my show who always shares fantastic information that you can immediately put to use. Today, I'm honored to have Corey Poirier, and he is an award-winning, high-demand speaking speaker. He's presented to over... 50,000 attendees since 2002, so he doesn't get those stomach flutters anymore to speak. He is host of the Conversations of Passion radio show, which is also on Block Talk uh, Radio. It features uh, the likes of Chicken Soup, Jack Canfield, and Dr. David Suzuki, founder, publisher of one of Atlantic Canada's premier business publications. He's a five-time acclaimed and best-selling author, and his books are the Conversation with Book Series. He is the CEO of a thriving event, seminar and events company. More than 2,500 different people have gone through his sleeves, rolled-up style training, and seminar programs. He's the founder of a media company that now includes audio, video, and print media, and an interviewer who has personally interviewed more than 2,200 of the world's high achievers. As a result of his highly customized dynamic talks, he has close to 10, 000, uh, I'm sorry, 1,000 testimonials comments available on request, and he also has three audio programs. Welcome, Corey. I'm so honored to have you on my show.
1: Well, thank you so much, Robbie, and I am honored myself to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Can you share a little bit about your background with my listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can I can start uh, basically by telling you about my roots, which probably uh, explains as much about me as anything else. And uh I can tell you right I won't I won't uh, take you from, you know, uh, day 1 until uh 38 years of age, but what I will tell you is that to start right from the very beginning, my name, cuz I was asked this the other day so I thought I'd share it here, uh how I came my name came about cuz the name Corey and Corier, usually you don't hear a lot of Corries that uh first name or Corey, and you don't hear many Corys with an E in their name, and where that all came from is uh, my grandmother, actually, whenever I was younger, my mother called her from the hospital and said, uh, actually, my great-grandmother, and said, "Uh, what what should I name him, and uh, she said, I'll call you back in a half hour, and so she called her back at the hospital, and she said, I want you to name him Corey, and my mother said, well, where'd you get that name now, and she said, well, I was watching Another World, and my favorite guy is Mac Corey, but Mac is too old of a name to give him, So (laughs) so... I just I was just reminded of this the other day, and I thought I'd share that, and the E in the name came from my mother wanting to uh, also p- pay a tribute to my grandfather, whose first name was Eddie. So that's a very long ago part of the story, but I was raised by a single mother, and I believe that that has influenced more of my, or any success I may have had, and more of my uh, business uh, adventures than perhaps almost anything else that has ever happened in my life, because the traits that I got from being raised by a single mother, i.e. multitasking, which they say us men are as good at as as females, Uh, things like that, I think, came from my mother. So that's kind of my background and roots. I grew up in uh, Prince Edward Island, Canada, and I uh, was a person who failed a whole lot at almost everything I tried. I wasn't born with any natural talent whatsoever, and I had to kind of slug it out and try to... Uh, failure by failure, learn how to at least be able to do things so that other people would think that they came naturally. So
0: that's kind of a that's, window that's into really my cool. That's really cool because, you know what, when you share, you know, I always feel like when people share truths and other people can relate and say, wow, there's hope for me. You know, I thought I would never achieve this or achieve that. But when you hear others that say, oh, you know, I've tried lots of things, um, and look where I am today because you never, it, the secret is never giving up. Um, you've done a number of interviews with many high achievers. Have you discovered any common traits?
1: Absolutely. And in fact, after we got, the cool part about it, uh, Robbie, which I think is just worked out well for me, is that I started with a, a newspaper and then years later I. I relaunched a similar newspaper but what's cool about starting with a newspaper is you're able to document everything because we're putting it out in print. So the cool part is the interviews are documented and we I can go back and do any stats or research I want Whereas if somebody does interviews and you know they just do a handwritten interview and then they share it verbally or on a blog they might not have as much opportunity to actually document it and have it out there as proof. But what I love about what the way we've done it is most of those interviews other than the recorded ones are actually in print. And so what really came out of it is I was able to go back and say, okay, what are the common traits? And I really wanted to know that to share both of my speaking engagements and also to share it with others who I hopefully can mentor in some way or or even, uh, you know, work with as a mentor protégé. And so common traits, I would say the top three, top of my head, uh, first one, and maybe I'll I'll start from the third and work my way up. So the third most common trait we discovered was that lifelong learners are leaders. And so what I mean by that is people that dedicate themselves to personal development and lifelong learning are the people that are, that rise to the top and stay at the top. So that would be kind of the first most common trait, is these people uh, dedicate to never stopping to learn and never stopping to develop. And if you want to even put a number on it, I've seen a statistic recently that said they did a study that showed the top 2% of CEOs in North America uh, had one thing in common, and that was that they all read an average of one to three books a month. Well, yeah,
0: that's yeah. You never you you never should stop learning, no matter what age. And what what would number two be?
1: Well, and and just to let you know, this is kind of cool too. Uh, to, to finish that off, the, the other one in terms of learners are leaders and reading. They, that same study showed that the average North American read less than a cha- uh, half a chapter a year. So there's a really important message there. Um, second uh, most common trait, it was the power of focus, and uh-huh. put a real big stamp on it. it. wasn't just that they could focus on what they wanted to achieve. It was they could avoid the distractions that, you know, the rest of us get stuck with. So as an example, in almost every one of those interviews, not once did a high achiever say to me, Corey, I have to leave the phone on in case. I have to send an email now. Uh, there's somebody sick in my family, so I might have to take a call. So for however they were able to do it, they were all in with me at the time, so that I didn't feel like the phone was the you know was the priority, and I was the you know the, the secondary thing yeah so they know how to go all in with whatever they're doing, and in fact, I would say that also stands true that they also knew how to be all in with the phone or the device or their laptop or whatever it might be whenever they weren't with me. so what I find is they know how to block their time and say, okay well I'm only going to check my data device whenever I'm not with other people, and Uh they uh, allocate time for that, whereas, as you and I both know, the average person has a hard time breaking away from the device for more than five minutes.
0: That's true. You're absolutely right with that. Um, And what was was the the
1: the top one? So the top one... The number one most common trait, and this was, there was no question it was the most common by, I don't want to say a landslide, but it was it was definitely uh, more than triple uh, the amount of numbers that, let's say, number 10 was, is that these people, these high achievers, have both found their passion in life and they are living their purpose.
0: Right. Yep, that is so, so it, true. The well, thing, it's kind of funny. Yeah.
1: It, uh, well, you and I talked about it off the top. Uh, about the fact that we were talking about the name of my show, uh you know off air about the passion show, and I will tell you that the reason or how I came up with the name Conversations with Passion" was because I discovered that was the most common trait, and I discovered finding my passion was the game changer for me, and mm-hmm. so I do find it all comes back to passionate people or the people that make uh the impact and other people that make the difference in the world.
0: I totally agree with you, Corey. if you had just one suggestion. Or how a person could start developing that trait if they didn't already have it. What would that suggestion be? Would the approach be different for females versus males?
1: To develop a trait, I would say. Well, here's the cool part. Even the, the three common traits that just shared. What I love about it is it doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your background, where you came from, where you started. All of those can be acquired and learned. So I love that mm-hmm. part of it. It's you know I think we have this tendency to think, oh, you got to be born with a certain talent or come from a certain background or have a certain amount of money or be a certain gender to achieve success. And the top traits prove that you don't. I mean, to me, uh, and the numbers, you know, they don't lie. So the fact is that you can acquire any of the top traits no matter where you come from or no matter your gender. So I don't think it's gender specific. But if you ask me what is the one trait that I would work on developing and work on grooming, I would say the passion, I don't see that as a trait that you groom or develop. I think you discover your passion. I think we all have it inside of us, but I think you discover it. So I think that's a little different in that way. So if you ask me which one trait I would groom, I would say the, the ability to find ways to feed your mind. So to continue being a lifelong learner because yeah, I mentioned being all in and avoiding distractions. Well, that's another thing where it's as simple as, you know, it's, it's not easy to do because our phones are our identity, but it really is as simple as putting your phone on silent. So I don't think that's something you have to work on developing. I think it's just an action a person should take if they're willing to make that change in their life. So going back to that point, I think if I talk those three traits, again, being the top three I've discovered, I would say finding ways to feed your brain and feed your brain the right information and to block out the noise that we see today because we're in an information heavy knowledge wisdom light generation and world right now so i would say Mm -hmm. if you can find ways to feed your brain and to make sure you uh, filter out the noise that would be the, the biggest trait i would work on
0: is when you found your passion is that what uh... made you launch a radio show about passion to help others or what was the reason you started the show
1: well, I'd love to say it was but but if I if I go right back to the history of my background, the my that when I discovered my passion, which is kind of ironic, I say I discovered my passion when I did stand up comedy for the first time, but stand up comedy is not my passion. <laughs> so what I mean by that is stand up comedy when I did it for the first time, it allowed me to step outside my comfort zone and grow my comfort zone and I discovered that my passion was seeking and training and sharing information, and it was only one step further than the stand-up. So the stand-up led me to my real passion, and stand-up was kind of one of those offshoot minor passions, but neither of those led to the radio show, because the radio show, uh, we launched a newspaper in 2007, uh, that's still going now, then a book series in 2009, and the radio show was only in the last year. So I would say it was an evolution from my original passion of communicating with people and sharing insight and knowledge. But the radio show wasn't even a thought in my mind. I never thought I would be hosting a radio show, and it wasn't really necessarily a passion I had until I started doing these interviews and realized that you become obsessed by learning about what makes other people tick.
0: Right. Plus, you get to meet a lot of great people when you have guests on your show. I mean, I know in the two year and a half I've been doing mine, I have met some incredible people. And so Yeah, you know, I think we
1: kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna think. I, I say, I think we're, we're in some ways we get kind of spoiled because I that was kind of whenever I was planning to launch it, where where it did come from is that I set this goal in 2010 to reach 100 people, specific people. Here's 100 people that I want to be able to do, do interviews with. And when I shared it with people, they told me you're not, you're never going to reach those people. You might reach five if you're lucky. And within a year, I was I had reached 95 of the 100. And yeah. that, and that was, by the way, through my business publication and through the book series. And so it just made me realize that being, you know, the knowledge I was gaining to give, give it firsthand to somebody, the only way I was going to be able to do that was in a video or an audio format. And the audio appealed to me. So I guess that is the full circle of why I launched the show was because I got to meet so many cool people, and I wanted to allow other people to meet them the same way I would.
0: Yeah, I, and you know what I found—the power is in the asking. You know, and when you ask, you—I I think that most people will say yes if, the, if you explain what you're doing and it—you know—it looks to them like it's something that's great for them as well.
1: Yeah, I will—I will share as well. And, and it's funny because I mentioned that top hundred list, but of course I had already been through a, a lot of interviews with high achievers at that point. But it was just that list was. Specific and I want said this is, these specific people, and that's why it was significant to me is actually reach 95% of them. But at the same time, one of the things that I will share too, Robbie, you mentioned a big thing to me is and I won't go too far into this, but the law of attraction has become kind of a big buzz for quite a few years now, thanks to the movie The Secret. And I'm glad that it brought you know the per- personal development and self help world to so many people that you know did hadn't thought about it before or hadn't been exposed to it. But I think sometimes the unfortunate part is people miss a, a second important law and I don't even know if this is an actual law. I mean I'm sure it is a law in general, but I don't I haven't read about it anywhere. But it's probably more important than the law of attraction and it's the law of action.
0: Right. Absolutely. And you know asking
1: you shall receive, as you mentioned, like asking when you're approaching people for interviews or I am, uh, there's the law of action, you know, taking place. Right. But if you and I set up a radio show and just said and I said, Jack Canfield's just gonna call me He's going to pick up the phone and say, I want to be on Corey's show. Not a whole lot would happen.
0: No, you have to go after him. Um, Although I've been pretty lucky because a lot of, you know, uh, posting that you're looking for people and what you're looking for, sometimes you get some great people, and then you can interview them and see if they fit the show or not. And and these are people that maybe you wouldn't have asked because you didn't really know them. So. I think it works in two ways. There's people we want to reach, but then there's others that we don't know are out there, and then we get to reach them, too, so that makes it really great. Um, Would you say that um, when – what are some of the specific benefits uh, to discovering one's or living one's passion fully?
1: I would say, as far as specific benefits go, I would say – Probably there's, there's actually quite a few, but I would say probably the biggest one as far as I'm concerned is that they are happier in general. They're more productive because they love what they're doing, so it isn't a job. Uh, I've actually, one of my keynotes, the, uh, the opening is, let me tell you about the eight-minute retirement plan. <laughs> and, and really what that boils down to is finding your passion and never working a day again in your life. So, mm-hmm. one of the benefits of finding your passion is it doesn't become work anymore. What you're doing doesn't become work if you're truly living your passion. Uh, so, again, you're more productive because of that. Uh, you're going to be able to encounter and handle a lot more of the failures and setbacks you're going to hit along the path while you're living your passion because you truly love it rather than dread it. Uh, but the big ones, too, you know, they sound small, but they're big as far as I'm concerned, is being sick less often, you know, being healthier because I find people that are passionate have a harder time being negative, and because they're not negative, I find that they don't get stressed out as much, and because they don't get stressed out as much, they're not sick as often. So there's health benefits, in my opinion, too. I, I, I also uh, used to call my talk the passion cure because I believed it was like vitamin P. You know, it was the vitamin that, that doesn't cost us anything, fully natural, but it's not easy for the average person to discover or know what it feels like. So there's a whole lot of benefits. I, you also get that fire in your belly, which is a benefit too. I think.
0: How do you deal? Like, I'm sure you've run into people who, they're, they have a job. They hate their job, but they're they are they are scared to take that step out to really go into their passion because you know they need the money from the job or something. How do they? How do you motivate them? That until they do take that step. They're never really going to be happy or achieve big success.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, what I tell a person because I get that question often. Uh, you know, it's on, even on social media, whenever I might put a little post out about living with passion, I get people that'll come back and say, "Well, that's fine and dandy." However, I have to earn a living, and, and this is what you were saying, Robbie. And so my answer to that would be that I would tell them the same that that I actually did myself and learned by trying is that I was working in a, in a uh, sales position making a good living and not prepared to leave it and when I first started it I liked the job I wouldn't go so far as to say I loved it but I dreaded it by that point in my career and so what happened was I, somebody along the way I tried a, a stage play and one of the actors said you want to try stand-up comedy <clears throat>
0: Excuse
1: me, and, and I didn't I was terrified of the idea but I did it anyway and I tried that and it became my passion for the time being it was the first Uh, fire in my belly I got, even though it wasn't as big as the speaking, it was still a fire in my belly. And so when I first tried it, I still had to work the job I was at. I didn't see any opportunity to make a a full-time living as a stand-up comic. And, you know, even though some people think, you know, comics make the living like uh, Jerry Seinfeld does, I I will say that the average comic uh, starves day by day on the, the comedy circuit. And so... I, I had no delusions about it being a full-time career I could jump into two days later because I discovered my passion. So what I did and what I'd recommend to other people is I started just trying stand-up comedy because I found it was a mini passion, you know, five or ten minutes on stage a week. And what happened is because I was actually finding something that I loved rather than having nothing that I loved, that started carrying over into my work. And I started having people that I worked with say, you seem to have like a little jump in your step now. You know, why do you, you seem happier? What's the deal? And I was still working my regular job, nothing had changed, except for I was finding a way outside of my job once I discovered what my passion could be. And and part of that is discovering it, and how do you do that? You you try different things. Uh, You go back to when you were a kid and say, what was the thing that I loved when money wasn't an issue? And you know, I love telling stories, I love being that storyteller, the person that would tell a joke and get somebody to laugh, I love being the social person. So there was all kinds of hints that stand-up might have been a part of what my passion was. And so, to go back and answer the question a little quicker, basically, I tell people to go out and try to find their passion, and even if it's not a, jo- a passion that could turn into a job for them, try it and do it and bring some passion into your life, and just let it, and see where it, 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 it takes you. Like stand-up comedy, when I started it, I didn't know it would ever become more than a fun hobby that started giving me a little bit of a brighter de- a brighter light inside my belly every day, but it evolved into something that I could make a living at that I did love doing. So... The easy answer for me would be to tell that person to just try and start trying to find your passion outside of work. Keep doing your job. Don't quit your day job. And, and just try to bring some of that passion into your life. If you love photography or or if you think you might like photography and you go out and take pictures, you might find just doing that an hour every week will bring passion into the rest of your life. And eventually it might just turn into a career or somebody might approach you and say, hey, do you ever think about doing wedding pictures?
0: Yeah. Have you, have, have you ever had anybody come back to you and say, Corey, I don't know how to find my passion. I don't know what my passion is. And what would you tell them when they would say that to you?
1: Oh, I have that. I have that weekly. I would say, and whether they went and tried or whether they—it's just they like whether they went and tried since we talked or whether they tried in general. I get that. So they are usually what I tell a person is some little way to figure it out. Is I mean, obviously you got in my belief is you got to write stuff down. So you got to sit down and write down. You know, what are the things that that you know, get me going that I enjoy. Maybe I love music, uh, as an example, or maybe I uh, I like music. You know that might be one thing. Or maybe I'm really good at statistics and biographies and things like that. Or I just love reading people's biographies. Or uh, so to sit down and say what am I good at? What do I love? And what comes easily to me? What do I find that's not hard to do? Or when I do it, I actually it brings a smile to my face. And so, like for example, if they if they seem to really like music then I'll tell people, you know, well, maybe try to learn to play an instrument or, um, you know, maybe uh, try to represent a band. Like, if you, if you love music and you love going to the clubs, maybe it might be worth seeing about being a part-time uh, manager of just one band once a week and just try, try that out and see if you like that. Uh, but what I would go one step further, because that alone is not enough to sit down and write a list out, for little triggers about how they can discover what their passion might be, because I believe we all have it and it's just a matter of unleashing or discovering it, and so I tell people go back to your childhood and look at what is it that you did when you were a kid that you loved, and make a little what I call a spider web from the comedy world. You know, do a circle and say and write the circle in it and say what was that thing I loved when I was a kid, and then start branching out and doing little legs, and then writing sub things off of what, are, what is related to that. So when I mentioned I love doing storytelling, well then maybe I do an arrow and say well being a storyteller is one thing, uh, being a book a book like an author is another and maybe do a little list of what are the things that I do love doing in that big circle and then the legs the spider legs will actually allow them to start drilling deeper into it and then finally what I would tell them is to say today what I would do if money wasn't an issue but also what were the what were the things that whenever I said to my parents or somebody in my life I want to try being a juggler or whatever that is and they said oh my god give your head a shake you got to go to university you got to go to law school what were the times when somebody said that in my life? If that happens, and go back to that time, whatever you want to be a juggler or whatever, and also drill down into that, write it down, and figure out what is close to that. Was there is there a chance I was onto my passion and I let somebody else push me off the track?
0: Yeah, so those are great. A
1: few different tips.
0: Um, can you share a story with us about a time when passion gave you competitive advantage, or not having passion sabotaged you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I was mentioning that. I, for like, I liked my job. I wouldn't go so far as to say loved it, but I liked my job that I spent ten years in a corporate sales career doing. Uh, the first four or five years, I really enjoyed it, and then I dreaded it near the end. So I would say that it, I didn't have passion the last few years. And where I saw the difference is when I moved off from that job, which I was still doing well and excelling at, I took another position. After, like I still didn't like that job, and then I went to another position that I thought, you know, the grass would be greener. And it didn't change. I was still doing a similar thing and didn't like it anymore. And where where I lost my competitive advantage was because I was starting from scratch again at something I dreaded rather than when I started in the previous industry 10 years before I actually liked it. So I started and I dreaded it, and it became a very competitive disadvantage, and I ended up having the worst sales year that I had in my entire sales career, and I attribute it almost solely to the fact that I really dreaded going into work every day. So it was a competitive disadvantage to not have passion.
0: That's true. Um, what are some strategies for maintaining one passion throughout the years?
1: Well, you know, I do believe that if you find your specific, your real passion, I mean, like, I could say stand-up comedy was a passion area for me, so was playing guitar and playing music in clubs it was a passion area. But it wasn't my passion, it was a passion area. So for those ones, I had to kind of keep keep it alive. Stand-up is easy because... You, you always have the the, the uh, real prospect of bombing every single night of the week. You know, there, there's, there's, never, you've never, there's never an I made it, in my opinion, in stand-up comedy unless you're using work material that, you know, you've been doing for 20 years. So if you're using new material over and over again, there's never an I made it. So that it gets, you're always on your toes, and that keeps the passion alive. But if I go to the music day, there got to be a point, and I say this again after saying that I didn't grow up with a musical talent, that's for sure, But there got to be a point where I could be thinking about my grocery list while I was playing and singing in front of an audience. And so that became hard to keep the passion alive because I knew I was losing the passion whenever I could allow myself to drift off rather than be there in the moment. And so what I had to do to keep that passion alive was to make it fresh and new all the time. And how I did that was incorporating new songs that I'd never played live before and forcing myself to be challenged so that I couldn't think about the grocery list. So my answer I would give is that what I do now, I don't even have to think about keeping the passion alive. Because it's my true passion, it just stays alive. I I love what I do, so there's never a minute of, uh, oh, my God, I dread this. And so I would say if you find your true passion, that's the case. But if you're on the, the track of finding your passion, then I would say the way to keep it alive is to make sure you're always placing it up and always challenging yourself with a new aspect of that passion.
0: Corey, you have five books. um, How did you start to write, and what are the titles of your books, and how can people get them? And also you have an audio program. How can they get that as well, and what is that about?
1: Well, so the first part is how did I start to write. Well, the funny part to that is, and I've shared this in the past many times, but I read my first book ever at 27 years of age, so 11 years ago. Uh, I tried three books in high school. I I didn't finish any of the three of them. And I finally read this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And so when people ask me, and I had asked this question recently, did you start out wanting to write a book? Well, I thought I was going to write a book when I was younger, but I hadn't read one. So I didn't even know what a book really would read like. And so how it started was after I read that first book, it opened up a love of feeding my brain and reading. And so that kept evolving to a point where it just became inevitable that I'd have to uh, eventually put a book out. And how it started was from the the business publication that I mentioned, the newspaper, that essentially involved me writing mini books every month. So eventually, I just took the step and and, and actually took the the leap into writing a, a full fledged book. And the four books, uh, first four books I put out were in one series called Conversations with, as you mentioned off the top. Um, people can get those on my website, which is CoreyCorey.com, dot uh, com, spelling C O R E Y. Would
0: you spell your name so they know how to? Type it in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's dot uh, rcom And if uh, one of your listeners Googles anything close to that, I'm pretty sure it will come up anyway. But um, And so that is, is uh, how they can get the books under the product links there. Uh, fifth book is called Standing Ovations from Every Customer, and it's actually my first fictional book. And it's basically going back to my roots about a stand-up comic teaching a business person how to create customer experiences in a business world based on what the stand-up does in a stand-up nightclub. Uh, so it's very unique. It's a business fable, and that's also at the same location. And then finally, are the three audio uh, books sorry audio, sorry, products that you mentioned. The CDs uh, are all on that same uh, product link as well, and they are. Uh, one's called the Productivity Factor. The second one's called Creating A-plus Customer Experiences. And the third is the Better Life Formula Revealed. And so they're all of that personal and self-help development type uh, genre.
0: That's great. Um, also, what, what day is your uh, radio show on, Blog Talk? and how can they get there?
1: It's, uh, it's every two weeks. Uh, it lands on Tuesday. So, in fact, tomorrow night uh, is the next episode. So the next episode is airing tomorrow night featuring Bob Berg, uh, who wrote The Go-Giver, and uh, Coach Jim Johnson, who's uh, an amazing coach, who put a a guy named J-Mac, an autistic boy, into a basketball game, and J-Mac scored more points in the game than any other players ever scored at at that level. Uh, So very cool story. So those two are on the show airing tomorrow night, and then it's every two weeks on Tuesday after that. uh, Okay, and what what time is it on Oh, it's at 6 p.m. Atlantic, uh, Atlantic time, Okay. which would be 5 p.m. Eastern, standard.
0: All right. We Can you believe we're at the end of our interview? And it was just so fabulous to have you as my guest. And, again, just give them your website quickly before we get cut off.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Robbie. And the website, again, is com. D-O-R-E-Y-P-O-I-R-I-E-R dot com. And also they can go into com as well. Okay. That's Thanks the radio you
0: show. Again. Bye Thank now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Bye. Okay. Bye. Take care and have a wonderful evening.
1: You too. Thanks so much, Robbie.
0: Bye-bye.